0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. It's a into the middle of that line and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Pass road. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. he hit immediately he got the handoff. You know it's <laughs> The Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it's day number four at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. So we turn to our man on the scene covering the Indianapolis Colts and the NFL for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin, Mr. George Bremer. George, what's going on, sir?
1: Ah, you know, final day of media availability here. So it's kind of a mix of excitement and, and a lot of exhaustion. Uh, it's been a fun week, but you know, once you get to the end, you're always kind of ready to to get out and, and wait again until next year.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. Next year, where we repeat this process all over again, where people overthink a lot of these things. I do think it's interesting because the workouts happen with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. We saw the forty times it was all on NFL Network, and it's become a prime time event. Which is good for NFL Network, but it's not so great for people who want to get to bed at a reasonable hour. Let's go through some of the (laughs) highlights here, George. Justin Herbert looked really good throwing the ball. Again, I have to caution that we're not talking about anybody coming after him. He's not in pads or anything, but it's still nice to see that he was throwing the ball well. And he was throwing to Chase Claypool, too, who looked very good as well.
1: Yeah, I think Chase Claypool is one of the guys that that really helped himself. He's a guy that, at least there were rumors, and you know, rumors are, are what they are, so... You never know if there was really any merit to it or not, but there was definitely talk that some teams maybe wanted to move him to tight end or at least take a look at him there. And I think he came out and his numbers in, in a broad jump and uh, at the 40, you know, his athletic numbers, his explosive numbers were such that it sounded like he really solidified himself as a receiver. Not going to probably hear as much talk about tight end for him. Uh, Herbert, you know, it was interesting. I think a lot of the guys on the broadcast were talking about early on, maybe he wasn't as sharp as, as you'd like to see. And as the, the drills went on, and especially as he got into deeper throws, uh, he really started to to shine. And I think that's one of the things with him. You know, everyone knows he's got a howitzer. You can see that just by going on YouTube and and watching some clips. Uh, but I think his accuracy on the deep ball has been something that's been impressive here. And, you know, he's a guy that really helped himself. And I think he is sort of the linchpin to me of, of that quarterback run. The big question, you know, the draft starts at three with the Lions. We all kind of know that. The big question is the Lions or the Giants sell that pick. And somebody comes up, either for Tua or Herbert, now all of a sudden, I think that's when things are going to get really interesting with, with that quarterback group because at that point you're probably going to have three guys going to the top five. And then you'll see. Then maybe panic sets in and then you'll see guys trading up, you know, what happens in that group that second kind of quarterback group in the first round from 12 to 15, you know, teams like the Raiders, the Colts, the Buccaneers, who could go a lot of different ways. Uh, You know, some of these guys come off earlier than expected. Will one of those teams panic, come up? You know, we're probably going to see four quarterbacks go in the top 15, just about no matter what scenario plays out. Uh, But could those four get pushed up into the top 10? That's not unheard of. It's happened before. I know that's a situation the Jets would really like to see take place.
2: Yes, very much so. As many quarterbacks as possible in the top 10, please. Let's push those offensive linemen down the board a little bit so that the Jets have an opportunity to get one of those top four guys, or even top five. I'm starting to really like Josh Jones the more and more I watch of him. But we'll talk about Josh Jones as we get closer to the draft. There was another quarterback who I think really helped his stock yesterday, too. That's Jalen Hurts. A lot of people questioning whether he was going to be a late day three pick. Could he help his stock? He ran well. He threw well. So maybe he's moving up the board a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, there was a little controversy here early in the week when some people were suggesting that maybe he's not a quarterback, maybe he should try another position. Uh, he has pushed back against that very firmly. Uh, he said, you know, in no uncertain terms, that's his position. That's where he's going to play in the NFL. Uh, and I think he went out and he threw the ball better than, than some expected. Uh, I think his one year at Oklahoma really was a transformative year for him. Like, you look back at the Alabama tape and the offense, he was asked to run there. Uh, you know, he was more of, of a running guy, an option guy, uh, just throwing kind of when he had to, not not really winning games with his arm. And I think at Oklahoma this year, he ran the same offense for the most part The Baker Mayfield ran, same offense that the Kyler Murray ran. Now, obviously, he wasn't as sharp as those guys. Uh, and I think he ran the ball still as well as, as he had at Alabama. But he started, you know, he showed that he's got an arm. Uh, there were some questions, still are some questions about his accuracy. Yeah, I think that's the big Big knock on Hertz, uh, But I think at least for one night last night at Lucasville Stadium, he quieted some of that talk. And so it'll be interesting to see what that does for his talk.
2: Quick injury news, Van Jefferson's got an injury to his foot that's going to keep him out for a couple of months. Same thing with Thad Moss. So tough break for both of those guys, although may drop their stock a little bit. So for a team like the Jets or Colts, looking for a wide receiver, he may now be in play a little later in the draft than you would have originally thought. So we'll see what happens with him. A lot of other wide receivers making names for themselves both in the positive and and negative direction yesterday. One of them was Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had a heck of a workout.
1: Yeah, you know, I think his hands were really impressive. I think mean, it's one of the things that people we're, were going to notice right away from him. Uh, those Big Ten guys, I think they always kind of get that knock. You know, the game's changing in that conference. There's no doubt about it. There's more and more athletes there every year, but there's still that national image, I think, of big plotting linemen, three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, that kind of that kind of... Look for that conference that has stuck. You know, people really have have got that image in their mind, and uh, it's hard to shake sometimes. I think a lot of times these receivers come out of Big Ten, they come here to the combine, they test a little bit better than people expect, and they start to change some minds.
2: By the way, we should mention before we get off quarterbacks altogether and transition completely to wide receivers. Looks like Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm also had really nice days throwing the ball. So, as you said, George. Could see quite a few quarterbacks going in the first round where we weren't anticipating that heading into the process.
1: Yeah, I think Fromm had a little bit some some mixed reviews there. Uh, there were some people who felt like when he had to kind of push his arm toward the limit, his accuracy suffered. You know, he didn't throw quite as good a ball. But I think there were people that expected that coming in. You know, it was what they've seen on tape. So he's a guy that uh, specific teams. You know, teams with good defenses that want sort of a game manager type, not going to make mistakes. I think they're going to be looking at him. And Jacob Eason is a guy that I know there was a rumor out there, I can't remember who reported it, but uh, at least one team may have him as high as number two on their board among the quarterbacks. So uh, It's going to be a really interesting draft when it comes to quarterbacks. There's a lot of teams with needs. There's a lot of dominoes that, that are yet to fall in free agency here in the next few weeks. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting stories to follow throughout this offseason.
2: Jalen Rigor, by the way, somebody that I really like as a possibility for the Jets at number 48 blazing speed, but not so much at the combine ran a four five. Very disappointing. I've always said, though, take that with a grain of salt. As Bruce Arians likes to say, film will never lie to you. These combines sometimes will, but the film never will. You take a look, there's the blazing speed on tape. If he doesn't run as fast in a straight line for whatever reason, not as big of a deal. But this could drop his stock a little bit.
1: Yeah, we saw that happen last year with DK Metcalf. He came out, and his 40 time and and his shuttle time weren't what people expected, and and there was a big knock on him. And it obviously affected him. He fell into the second round. And then Seattle used him the way he should be used. And, and he was pretty dominant, especially in the postseason post this year. Uh, so, you know, like you said, take it with a grain of salt. Understand what it's worth and, and what it's not worth. And, uh, you know, I think it's just another one of these situations where it, it, you, you look at the tape. Obviously, that's what matters most, first and foremost. Uh, but also, you know, you just have to understand what a guy can do, what he can't do, and put him in the right situations to make plays.
2: Another guy who didn't run quite as fast, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. He's not necessarily known as a speed burner or anything, but a 4-5-1. So who knows what that does with his stock. Other guys that ran at the combine, Jerry Judy, a 4-4-6. CeeDee Lamb, a 4-5-1. That's pretty much where everybody expected those guys to be. Devin DuVernay ran a 4-4-6, which is pretty fast. Justin Jefferson with a 4 4 that's really impressive for him, so I think that'll help his stock quite a bit. And the big one, of course. Henry Rux the third. And we anticipated that he was gonna really, really light up the combine, and he sure did. A four point two eight. I got to say, George, heading into this whole process, everybody saw Ruggs as competing for that number three wide receiver spot. But with his measurements now, with those 10-inch hands and with a 4-2-8 in the 40-yard dash, he just may end up eclipsing the other two guys. I'm not saying that he's going to be the first receiver off the board, but it wouldn't shock me. No, he's in the
1: conversation. And I think the the one thing that that did kind of hurt him yesterday is he came up uh, with a little bit of an injury after that run. And so you get to see how that, how he handles that in the next couple of weeks, if it's serious or if he's able to run again in his pro day. But I think it's kind of funny. He's probably the one guy here that a 4.28 is a slight disappointment. So many people talk about is he going to challenge John Ross's record of 4.22. Nobody else could go under 4.3 and say, well, it was good. But <laughs> and that just tells you how how fast this kid is. Uh, and you know, obviously that's the name of the game right now. You have the hands that he has. Uh, you put together the tape that he's put together. I think Kim, C.D. Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy, they're all right there at the top of the draft. And it'll be really interesting to see how teams want to stack them up. All three of them had a really good day yesterday. Uh, and I think that just it just adds to the intrigue. And, and then Justin Jefferson puts himself squarely in, in the conversation, not necessarily in that top receiver taken, But now I'm sure are going to look at him as a potential first-rounder after the time that he put up there as well.
2: One last note, Michael Pittman Jr. apparently only doing 13 reps. A lot of people now questioning whether or not he's going to be an effective blocker at the next level. But I think this may be good for the Jets because it could drop his stock a little bit. And he'd be a really nice fit because of his size and his ability to go up and get the ball. And the fact that he has a prior relationship with Sam Darnold. So... I know that it's probably disappointing to him that he was only able to do that, and that other teams may look at him, think a little less of him now. But this could be an interesting development for the Jets.
1: Yeah, especially, you know, you get to see what happens with Robbie Anderson in the offseason. But, you know, that's a guy that could, could move into that spot, you know, potentially for New York and, and be a guy that could help out. And I think. That's what I was talking about earlier. You know, every team's going to look at these results a little bit differently. Some guys are going to see something and it takes them off their board, and other guys are going to see something and say, "It's not really how we're going to use them anyway," so it doesn't really matter to us. I think that's the key of this whole process: knowing the roles that you have for these guys and how you're going to use them. It's not just going out and selecting talent; it's understanding what you want to do with it once you get it into your building. I think that's that's what separates teams that go to the playoffs and the teams that you know end up picking high in the draft every year.
2: It's always about the system and the coaching staff that the player is going to. Some guys are going to shine almost no matter what, but there are a lot of players where the destination matters so much, and the guy that comes to my mind is Josh Rosen. I have no idea if Josh Rosen will ever be good, but what I do know is that he was placed into two very difficult situations that did not help him at all and it doesn't Just extend a quarterback it extends to Wide receiver and running back And offensive line especially with Offensive linemen if you're put in the wrong system You could really really struggle If you're asked to do a lot of zone When you're much better at man or vice versa That's a really big problem And that's why teams have to focus on Players who fit what they like to do And that includes cornerbacks George And that was the group that you got the opportunity To talk to so let's Start with the biggest fish in the entire pond and that of course is Ohio State's Jeff Okuda who many believe is not only the best defensive back in this class but would have been the best defensive back in many many classes what did he have to say today
1: yeah he was really impressive today when he was talking about X's and O's and I think that's something that teams are going to really like about him obviously you watch to say there's a reason he's rated as a top guy in this draft class no one has a lot of questions there But when he was talking about things like, well, first of all, you know, to talk about his drive and his competitive nature, he said he's got a whiteboard in his apartment. He's got times for, I believe it was Patrick Peterson, and I'm trying to remember the other. It was another one of the top corners. But he's got their combine results on a whiteboard in his apartment. To look at it every day, uh, just trying to put himself up there uh, with those kind of numbers and have that kind of performance here this week in Indy. I think that says something about how competitive he is, how driven he is. Uh, But he was also talking a lot about just schemes, you know, and and how he fits, why he would play a certain coverage a certain way, Uh, just breaking down X's and O's and showing a really high football IQ. And also, people were talking to him about, you know, how he would fit with some of the top teams, the top seven or eight guys, teams in this draft. He was breaking down their defensive back chart down to, you know, how many years some guys have left on their contract, He's a very well-prepared guy, a very smart kid, and I think that's going to come through when he sits down with these teams in one-on-one sessions here in Indianapolis.
2: That's somebody who sounds very, very prepared to take his game to the next level. Another guy that Many believe is going to be a stud at the next level is TCU's Jeff Gladney. Now we talked before about Jalen Rigor, who's the wide receiver from TCU. I wouldn't mind seeing the Jets be able to get both of those guys. I'm not sure how realistic it is, but he is absolutely one of the best corners heading into this draft. What was his message to the media today from the podium?
1: He was a, he was a guy that was kind of funny because you know everyone gets asked, "Who do you meet with?" You know. Did he meet with the Bills? Did he meet with the Chiefs or whatever? The first one came out, and he rattled off the name of about 25 teams, uh, which I'm sure, you know, is the case for him. Uh, so that was kind of funny. And another kind of smart move on his part, because you don't shut those things down early. You end up answering that question 32 times. And the kid was smart to understand, uh, let's just get it on one well swoop here. I pretty much met with everybody. And I think that's, you know, the cornerback group's another one. It's not as deep as the wide receiver group, obviously. I don't know if anybody – it's been a while in any draft where we've seen a position as deep as this wide receiver class is. Uh, but I think it's another group where once you get past the, two the you know, I think people are going to have a real wide range of opinion on, on who their number two is, who their number three is. And it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys break down because another position that you know even in round two, maybe round three, you're going to get guys that can really help your football team.
2: There are a lot of guys in the SEC at cornerback that can help your football team. Two of them are Christian Fulton from LSU and Trevon Diggs from Alabama. And I got to tell you, after D. Milner, I always get nervous about those Alabama defensive backs because they're not asked to backpedal. And we saw how that could be a problem for D. Milner. That and the fact that D. Milner couldn't stay healthy didn't help his cause either. Tell me about both of these guys because they're going to figure prominently in some teams draft plans.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Diggs, you know, you you try to learn as much as you can about all all these guys, and you think you have it all down. And I was surprised today. I hadn't heard before. He's Stefan Diggs' brother, you know, the the wide receiver with the Vikings. So did not know that. Uh, I think that's always a thing that helps you uh, as you're preparing. You know, some of these younger guys, if you've got a family member like that who's in the NFL, you can watch uh, him go through this process, watch what his – daily life is like in the league I don't know how that does anything but but help your preparation and, and your mindset as you're coming into the game Christian Fulton is the guy that uh they were talking to Grant Delp at, at a later point today and he obviously he's biased you know he's a teammate in the same secondary but when they were asking him who's the best corner in this draft he said I'm going right away to Christian he said I know that everyone's going to look at that and say well what else would he say but in my mind he's the best corner in this draft so uh, like I said, I, I think that is such a deep, deep group again. Uh, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how teams stack up that position, especially because you know so much depends on are you a press man team, are you an off-man team, do you play more zone? And you know The answers to those questions are going to change the way you stack that quarterback class uh, just naturally, just because of the fit.
2: No question about it, which is why Bryce Hall becomes an interesting character too. The University of Virginia corner started 36 out of 39 possible games. He's another one that's going to be a very interesting prospect heading into April.
1: He had one of the more interesting stories that I heard today. Uh, he was up there talking about, uh, I can't remember which game, but he was talking about in general how much he's aware of when he's on the field, and how much he's taking in, how much he's sensing out there. And he said they were playing somebody, and he heard the coaches on the sideline talking about going after him, specifically targeting him. And so he recognized a play that, from film study, the next snap, and he's able to go and get an interception and kind of turn that into a big positive one. So that's kind of an interesting story. I haven't really heard anybody say something like that before. I guess it's careful, you know, on your trash talk on the sideline if Bryce falls
0: out there on the other side. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little
1: escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about another player that has NFL pedigree because we talked before about Trevon Diggs. And now I want to talk about Antoine Winfield Jr., whose father was an excellent cornerback in the NFL, although sore spot with the New York Jets because of what he did in terms of agreeing to a deal with the Jets in free agency, and then at the last second, bolting and leaving and ending up going to the Minnesota Vikings. Funny enough, years later, it was Anthony Barr who would do the exact same thing, although in that case, (laughs) he stayed with the Vikings instead of leaving from one team to go to another. In the case of Winfield, he was leaving the Bills to go to the Vikings, but still, it's so weird that that would happen twice and with the player going to the same exact team. Tell me a little bit about what Winfield had to say, not only about his experience playing in college, but also growing up the son of Antoine Winfield.
1: Yeah, he's a really well-spoken kid, and I think he was really interesting and had really elaborated quite a bit on on his life growing up with his dad and and the different things that he saw. One of the more interesting things that he was talking about, I can't remember how old he was, maybe 11, maybe a little bit younger than that even, but he was laying in bed watching film with his dad because his dad was getting ready to play against Calvin Johnson. So he's just laying right next to him, breaking down film of Calvin Johnson. And I thought uh, that's kind of a football education for you right there, you know, Uh, trying to figure out how to guard that guy. If you get the answer to that, there isn't much on a football field that's going to be too tough for you to
2: overcome. We already talked about one Ohio state player, George, and that of course was Jeff Okuda. I want to talk about his teammate in the secondary. That's Jordan Fuller, the safety. I got a bone to pick with him, though, because he said he studied Earl Thomas, Eddie Jackson, and Tyron Matthew. No Jamal Adams love from Jordan Fuller?
1: (laughs) There were quite a few Jamal Adams answers out there today. He did not have one of them. Uh, I know Kyle Duggar, who's sort of the underdog of this, this draft class, he brought Jamal Adams up very quickly in his interview. Uh, and most, a lot of guys did, but I'll tell you, it's amazing how many guys here mentioned Tyron Matthew as somebody they watched, somebody they, 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 they patterned their game after. He's incredibly popular with this draft class.
2: I want to ask you before we move on to Duggar, who I think is one of the most fascinating underdog stories of this entire process about another player with NFL pedigree. Cause I didn't even know about this. But J.R. Reed from Georgia is Jake Reed's son. I did not know that. Jake Reed, by the way, a really good receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Played twelve years there. A lot of people forget about him because he got lost in the shuffle with Chris Carter and then later Randy Moss. But an excellent player for Minnesota. What he have to say about his experience at the University of Georgia and growing up as the son of a really good wide receiver. I would imagine that he probably guarded his father in some practice drills because even though Jake Jake Reed is much older now. I'm sure he still has some crafty tricks up his sleeve.
1: I'm sure he did. And Jake Reed was one of the more underrated guys I can remember in the NFL. Played 12 years with the Vikings, like you said. Got overshadowed by, you know, just a couple guys Randy Moss, Chris Carter. Didn't do a whole lot in this league. Uh, it's really interesting to, to see JR come up there today and, and talk about, you know, obviously his dad and, and having that experience similar to, to Antoine Winfield, you know, growing up and, and, and being around the game seeing it from the inside uh, from a very young age, but then also in his case, you know, going on to college and going to play in the SEC and seeing that caliber of play. So I think he feels like that combination has him uniquely prepared for the NFL because he has seen you know, what it takes day in, day out, to be a part of that locker room, to, to get yourself ready every Sunday. I think he's also played against, you know, some of the best players in the country down in the SEC. So it feels like he's got it from both ends as, as he comes in as a rookie.
2: Let's talk about Kyle Duggar now since you brought him up before. He's from Lena rhyne which I never even heard of, but he's one of the big underdog stories of this entire process. I'm really pulling for him. Fascinating story.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, he's a guy that they've never had. First of all, the school has about 2,300 kids in Hickory, North Carolina, so wherever that is, uh, and, and they've never had a pro day before. But they're going to have one this year because of Kyle Duggar and all the interest that, that he's garnered. And that means, you know, some of his teammates also get a look. And who knows? Maybe because of him, a guy or two ends up with a, a, an invite to training camp. You know, he's an undrafted guy. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting story, and it's something he said he's really proud of, just being able to shine that spotlight on the school. He also went out of his way to say that, you know, even though he's really coming onto the national stage for the first time, the media really took care of him really well back there. He always felt like a big star uh, within that circle and so he felt like you know the school did a really good job of of making him feel comfortable making him feel like you know he mattered and he was important uh he's come out of senior bowl he really really set the league on fire over there uh one of these freaky guys I forget what his wingspan is but it's incredible uh fast you know can jump out of the gym all these these sort of things he's going to be a guy i would imagine on sunday who's really going to light up the combine and it's just going to continue this story right now. This is a guy that I think people are thinking it could be you know, possibly a day two pick uh, from a, a school that really no one's ever heard of. So uh, a really great story, a really great thing to, to keep an eye on as, as this process unfolds.
2: Lena Ryan is a school that I'd never heard of before. I had, however, heard of the University of Alabama. I think you probably have too, George. And so Xavier McKinney from Alabama is another prospect that could get drafted out of their secondary. And he had some really interesting comments about trying to guard Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs in practice. I guess if anything's going to get you ready for the NFL, that would be it.
1: Yeah, that's what he said. You know, you look at that and, and really all those receivers at, at Alabama. It's a just a deep group over there. And Ruggs and Judy are the two that are here uh, this week and getting ready for the draft. But, you know, he felt like doing that every day, day in, day out, having to face that challenge and practice all the time consistently. Uh, yeah, it's an incredible preparation for him as he gets down here and he starts to compete at the combine, because it's something he's, he's very much used to. I think you hear that from the Alabama guys a lot because that's one of the things about that program, you know, if you slip up just a little bit, there's probably another five-star guy behind you who's going to take your job. Uh, and even if you don't slip up, you're still going against other five-star guys every day. Uh, it's, an, it's an incredible environment to be a part of. Uh, I think it's something that McKinney things will really help him as as he goes through the process here this week.
2: We know that Jordan Fuller didn't have any love for Jamal Adams, but... I have to imagine that Grant Delpit did. If he didn't, he should be ashamed of himself because he's an LSU safety. So if he didn't have some admiration for Jamal Adams, I'm out on Grant Delpit. <laughs> I was
1: over there when he was talking about his influence, but I so know sure he did. I thought Delpit, the, the real story, and it's another one of these sort of you know, heart-wrenching kind of stories that come out of here. He was talking about it as a young kid in 2005 when Katrina hit New Orleans. Family moved, evacuated to Tennessee. He never went back home. And so, you know, he'd grown up sort of, you know, dreaming of playing high school football there in his hometown. He had a great tradition uh, at that school. And he ends up, because of the storm, it destroys the house. He ends up, you know, displaced. uh, And and he's able to come back home for college and play at LSU to help the Tigers win a national title. Uh, One of those kind of really interesting human interest stories. There's a ton of them here. Uh, this week, but but that's one from a guy that's probably pretty well known uh, after having starred for the Tigers there at LSU.
2: A lot of people talking about Isaiah Simmons, and we talked about him being a Swiss Army knife, a very interesting chess piece, but he's not the only defensive player in this draft that could be an extremely versatile player. One guy that jumps out at you is Ashton Davis from California. He's somebody who's played Will Linebacker in addition to his normal spots of corner and safety. He thinks his versatility is his biggest strength, and I tend to agree.
1: Yeah, and he also thinks he's going to run in the four threes 3s in the 40s, so that'll be a really interesting thing to see on Sunday as well. But uh, a lot of the guys, and actually this is was talking about, it's been a, a real topic of conversation this week, the way the game is changing and the way especially in the, in the defensive secondary, positions are starting to not matter as much. You know, you see a lot of guys who can, can play three or four or five spots back there. And some of them can go up and, and get in the box and play as a linebacker too, and I think – it's going to be interesting to see how defense coordinators start to treat these athletes. And if we start to see more and more creative uses of these guys, uh, it could be really fun for the game.
2: George, before we started recording, I was talking to you about Jeremy Chin, the defensive back from Southern Illinois, and I joked that it's the wrong Illinois, because Eastern Illinois is where Tony Romo went, so that would have been a nice story. Instead, we're left talking about a really good prospect for the NFL draft with no fun Tony Romo anecdote to throw in there, other than me joking with you before we start recording about Eastern Illinois and Southern Illinois. So talk to me a little bit about Jeremy Chin.
1: Yeah, he's in the same state, so I'm sure that it rubbed off a little bit. And surely they're rivals at the very least, right? Eastern and Southern Illinois. Got to be a trophy on the line at some point between those two. Uh, Chin's another guy that that was talking a lot about what we were just talking about, actually, you know, the versatility of defensive players coming in. He's another guy that feels like he can play a lot of different spots, uh, do a lot of different things to help a team, uh, really lists himself as a defensive back, doesn't really want to be called a safety or a corner. You see a lot more of that, too. Uh, and he's another guy who is sort of home this week. He's from Fishers, Indiana, which is maybe 15 minutes north of here. Uh, so another guy that, that really feels comfortable here and, and I'm sure has been on that field at Lucas Oil Stadium before and, and will feel probably pretty comfortable and at home on Sunday when he gets out there for on-field drills.
2: George, anything else that we missed?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Bryce Hall was, like I said, that was kind of the the, the big moment for me today. Just hearing that story, I still have not heard anybody say You know, they kind of eavesdrop on the sideline and and hear that they're being picked on, and able to use that in their film study to get a turnover. That that was a new one for me.
2: You learn something new every day, George. Like the way that I learned, George, that New York and Indianapolis can have windy weather at the exact same time—an interesting discovery and a sad one too, because I really wish it wasn't so windy where we both are right now. But then again, if it wasn't, we'd probably be living in Florida or something else, and we'd be laying out at the beach instead of complaining about how cold it is. (laughs) I would
1: get soft. I would. I would. I would get way too soft. I move to Florida, I'd lose my edge.
2: Don't lose your edge yet because edge is getting into the Hall of Fame in a couple of months. you got to keep your edge ready for the edge in Canton in August.
1: And everybody should be excited about that. That's going to be an all-time Hall of Fame speech. I can't guarantee much else, but that's going to be an all-time acceptance speech when he gets to the podium in Canton.
2: I'm looking forward to it because all-time Jets great Steve Atwater, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, is going to be getting in as well. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a vested interest, too, for Jets fans. And I'm sure we'll do some podcasts because you're going to be live on location for that since Edron James is going to be getting in. I will say this has got to be a fun time for you because unlike all these reporters who have to travel to Indianapolis and stay in hotels and eat all this food at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning because they're so busy doing a bunch of things. You live in Indianapolis, so you don't have to worry about any of that. You can continue to live your normal life while covering the Combine. So I salute you for that, sir.
1: It's good and bad. You know? So you got to drop the kid off at school in the morning, so they don't have to do that part of it. But there's no doubt it's kind of interesting every year when, they, when the NFL kind of converges here in, in in Indy, you know every decision maker, every key guy in the league is here for a week, and uh, it's always an interesting time, no doubt about that.
2: Every year, the process yields interesting results. And a couple of years ago, if you remember, this is where the Colts and the Jets began their discussions that ended up culminating. In the deal that would land Sam Darnold with the New York Jets Because the Jets traded up from number six to number three And the discussions began at the NFL Combine So there's so much going on between the discussions with decision makers With the workouts, the interviews, the media It's a really fun time if you're a football fan And now we turn our eyes to free agency and then the NFL Draft in April Which of course George will be covering over at the Anderson Bulletin And, of course, for CNHI Sports. George, as always, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For people that want to read your work and follow you on social media, how can they go ahead and do that?
1: Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. If you want to see more of what I'm doing, you can always go to haroldbulletin.com and follow me on Twitter at Bremer.
2: Go ahead and follow George on Twitter and read his work at the Anderson Bulletin and CNHI Sports. Also, if you could do us a big favor, and give us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. Really appreciate it. It's a great way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. But it goes a long way to help us out, so we'd be quite grateful. Also, if you haven't subscribed to Badlands yet, the brand-new podcast series with Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers, I highly recommend doing that because they just put out a show today with Chase Stewart from Football Perspective, going over a variety of different ways that the general manager and coaching decisions the Jets have made have led to poor results and what they can do to get back on track. Also, if you want a primer on how you can't buy success in the NFL, make sure you listen to yesterday's show with Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap as he goes through some of the more disastrous decisions that the Jets have made financially in terms of free agent contracts and explains what they can do to right the ship in that regard. We know that the Jets are going to have to make better free agent decisions and they're going to have to make better draft decisions if they want to succeed going forward. And we'll see if Joe Douglas is the right man to do that. But if you want to get a better idea of what the Jets have done wrong and what they should be doing right and how they can do it, make sure you subscribe to Badlands now at Jay Caporoso on Twitter, as well as at Connor J. Rogers, and you'll get the information. It's on Podbean. You can search it on Google as well. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know there's only one place to go. That's Turn on the Jets digital and turn on the
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?